I really value the closeness of um, what this sentence of death <laughs> has given me, is, is um, closeness to people. I'm Deborah Jarvis, and you're listening to The Final Say, Conversations with People Facing Death. This is the podcast where you can get comfortable talking about death and learn some things about life from people who are dying. In this episode, we'll explore what it means to live like you're dying, how to talk to your kids about death, and the importance of hugging, and the danger, not just for medical providers, but for all of us in making assumptions. We may also discuss how the mantra for this podcast might be, channel the baby. Susan Tower had breast cancer and then surgery, chemo, radiation, and was good to go. Five years went by, and she found herself one day on the way to the emergency department because she couldn't breathe. It turned out she had a pulmonary embolism, a blood clot in her lung, Not great, but hey, it's treatable, and at least it wasn't cancer. So you went to the ER for your pulmonary embolism? That's how I got the scans, and that's when he came in, said, oh, you have a pulmonary embolism, we're going to get that taken care of, and you also know about the cancer. But she didn't know about the cancer. He didn't even know I didn't know, because it was so many places in my body. Yeah, the the lesions. But he said cancer. I said, what lesions? Like, what are lesions? (laughs) You know, cancer? Because I've always heard of them called mets or tumors. And when I heard that it was so many places in my body, that's when it really sunk in. And so my, my first reaction was cry. And my second reaction was anger. At the doc or at the circumstance? Both, because he didn't really know what he was talking about. But obviously he did. But he shouldn't have done that without without a proper diagnosis. And what did you say to him? I I didn't say anything. I didn't say a word. Sorrow, anger, fear, peace. Those were those were my steps of processing the information from June till July. Made me think back on this song that a country singer sings, uh, Tim McGraw, Live Like You Are Dying. And uh, that's kind of what I want to do right now is live that way because I think you appreciate things a lot more. Um, I know for a fact that I appreciate my relationships with people. I didn't know this song, so I asked Susan to tell me the lyrics. Um, he he rode you know, 2.7 seconds on a bull named Fu Manchu. <laughs> he like did things that he, you know, he went skydiving and and just did all kinds of things that he wouldn't have done before, probably because of fear of dying and and that fear of dying kind of it pretty much leaves you i mean yes it's scary because it's unknown but it it leaves you be a little more um open to things because you're thinking well why not 
you know? Yeah. You know, are you not going to do anything stupid, but right. what but within reason, you know? Okay, at this point, Susan's sister grabbed her phone and began playing Live Like You're Dying by Tim McGraw. Rocky Mountain climbing, I want 2.7 seconds on a bull named Fu Manchu. <laughs> That's my favorite one. And he said, someday I hope you get the chance to live like you were dying. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's, even though you don't want to find out that news, it is, uh, it is a really good um, experience to have to live like you are dying because you appreciate things more. You don't um, hold grudges. There's no time for that. And um, you forgive people, people that are maybe not even around anymore. You just let go of all that stuff because it's just not important. What's been the hardest thing for you in all of this? The hardest thing is, is knowing that my time is limited and that, um, that I'm not gonna have all the time in the world to spend with the people that I love, you know? But it's like, I, I really wish that just more people would be here in the house. I like having people in the house. I wish I'd entertained more, you know, had more people over more often. So earlier when you said um, people give you great comfort, tell me what it is they say or what they do that gives you so much comfort. It's a feeling that I don't know if it's something that they actually say. It's just a feeling of peacefulness that they express and love. You know, there's more hugging. Those are, that's really nice. I, I would have hugged a lot more too. <laughs> Hugs are fun and they're, they, they make you feel good. My sister's a big hugger. And we didn't really grow up in a huggy family. They became much more huggy once they started losing family members. Because then you realize, I, I'm not going to be able to hug you maybe someday. Yeah, if you could keep that in your mind when you're like having an argument with your husband or something, like, oh, I may not be able to hug you. It would just wipe everything out, you know? Right. And you'd go, what is this stupid thing about loading the dishwasher? Yeah. And you get a peaceful feeling from a hug. A hug really can ground you. Susan had always been a caregiver for other people, so it was really hard for her to be on the receiving end. I don't like having to ask people to get me things or to do things for me or bring me places. Or I just, I hate it. I just hate it. But then... If the shoe was on the other foot, I would be more than happy to do that for somebody else. Just because that's just makes me feel good. I had surgery and chemo too. And like you, I hated that being so dependent. And what was helpful to me was thinking about babies. And, you know, they come out and A, 
they're pretty ugly. I don't care what you say. Come on, let's just be honest about it. Babies are ugly. They're unattractive. Newborns. As are, yeah, newborns. As are people who are dying are unattractive, according to our cultural standards, right? right? And yet, here's this totally dependent being. You love them so much you would die for them. Yeah. And they just happily accept all of your love and your care. And I think, okay, think how much pleasure that baby gives the caregiver. If I could be like that baby and just accept graciously and gracefully, it would be such a gift to someone who's caring for me instead yes. of being argumentative <laughs> and, and, you know, feisty and, mm -hmm. So I would like, okay, I'm going to channel the baby. <laughs> channel the baby. I'm going to have to do that. I'm going to have to channel the baby. Yeah. And, and, you know, realizing like, wow, it's such a gift to care for a baby. It's a wonderful thing. Yes. So yeah. tell me about your grandkids. I mean, do they know how sick you are? And can you talk about no, it? No, they don't understand that I'm dying. If they ask you questions like, Grandma, are you going to die? I will tell them the truth. But I'll tell it to them in a in a way that would be appropriate for their age. So say I'm nine years old and I say, Grandma, are you gonna die? And I would say, Yes, someday. We all are. You know, we're we're all going to die someday. And I don't know when that's going to be, but because you've seen me be sick so much, it might be a little sooner. Than I was planning, but um, we still have time. I want to go back to your answer to your granddaughter, which was lovely and beautiful and so deeply honest. And I just wanted to affirm that the way that you answered, if you can be matter of fact about things and not hesitate and use normal language it brings a sense of ease to the person that you're right it's not with. so scary because they're thinking well what does that mean if you say something other than what it really is right yeah no my kids okay so I think of course they feel very sad and don't want to lose me but I feel the comfort and support from all of them we that's one thing that we love and enjoy doing as a family is playing games. We all get together as often as possible to get together and have game night. Nice. Yeah, we do fun things like that. And we all have our special colored marbles we like. And Did you ever lose your marble? <laughs> <laughs> I am I so sorry. <laughs> I just like, I tried to hold it in. Susan had a lousy experience in the emergency department when that physician used medical language and then assumed she knew about her cancer. Note to self, never assume. This is good advice, not just for medical providers, but for all of us, right? Have you ever asked a woman when she is due, only to find out she is not pregnant? Yeah, me too. So. The emergency department experience was not so good for Susan, but her experience with her palliative care physician was totally different. For one thing, get this, her doctor 
had the impossibly perfect name of Hope. Walking into her office, um, talking with the nurse and getting all the paperwork done and the nitty gritty stuff. And, and then she, then Hope came in and she just walked in and sat down. She's so, um, you know, casual comfort, looked at her computer, just started talking to me right away about everything and saying, you know, really like I've noticed I've, that you've gone through a lot lately. She's this very um, sweet, compassionate person. And we didn't look at scans. We didn't talk about um, anything really technical. Uh, we talked about pain management because I've been in a lot of pain and that's kind of not been handled very well. So that's what we're looking at right now is, is pain management. And that's what she's gonna probably be able to help me with better as time progresses on. So treatable, we'll try and keep you here as long as possible is what that means to me. And not curable means but you're not gonna be here forever. But that's okay because nobody is. I just felt really comforted by her, knowing that she's gonna be there for me when I need her to be there for me. I have a lot of big things happening to me lately. So I'm thinking, what are you telling me, God? Because it's just, and I think my relationship with God has, I've appreciated that a lot more too. Well, tell me about that. So what were you raised to believe and where are you with all that now? I was raised Catholic, but I kind of got away from that because of a lot of the guilt that the Catholic um, religion does. I don't know if they do anymore, but back when I was younger, they did. It was more of a guilt kind of a thing. Are you like you threatening this thing over your head? Hailstorm, damnation. The ground's going to open up underneath you if you tell a lie. No, I'm, I just feel of my, myself like a Christian. This has drawn me closer to God, and maybe that's the plan. I just feel like I talk to him more, and I find more peace from him. Well, if someone's listening to this podcast, they're listening to this fascinating conversation around dying and death. And maybe they have a relative who's dying, but they're terrified to go visit. Mm -hmm. What would you want them to know? I would say, don't be afraid to talk to them about it because you may find out that it brings you some peace that you won't feel, you, you will regret not talking to them about it. You will regret not seeing them or avoiding them because you can't get that time back with that person. And most people that I know of that know that they are dying are very at peace with it once they've come to terms with it. Everybody has a different amount of time that it takes to, to come to that term. But once you've come to terms with it, it's a peaceful feeling. And even though, yes, it still does make you sad and, and you're a little afraid of the unknown, but people should be um, able to talk to you about that. It's sad that they don't. I, it makes me sad if somebody's afraid to talk to me about it. So if they want to make 
that person happy. They want to bring some light into that person's end of their life and open up and talk about it and ask the questions you're afraid to ask. Because if you don't, you'll never know the answer. And I guess my last question, what's left that you would really like to do? I mean, besides like date George Clooney. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, things that are possible. Right. Oh my gosh. I'd love to go somewhere warm and tropical with the whole family. Well, I think Susan pretty much said it all. So my final say for today is really pretty short. And it's for those of us who have trouble accepting help from others. Our new motto is channel the baby. And to paraphrase Tim McGraw, I hope we can all love deeper, speak sweeter, and give forgiveness we've been denying. And I hope we all get the chance to live like we're dying. I'm Deborah Jarvis, and thanks for listening to The Final Say. Special thanks to Dana DePrima for helping me with the cover art and to Blue Dot Sessions for your awesome music. You guys rock. <laughs>